0: Act Two of Mary Stuart by Friedrich Schiller, translated by Joseph Mellish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two London A Hall in the Palace of Westminster. The Earl of Kent and Sir William Davison meeting.
1: Is that my Lord of Kent? So soon returned. Is then the tourney, the carousal, over? How now? Were you not present at the tilt? My office kept me here. Believe me, sir, you've lost the fairest show which ever state devised, or graceful dignity performed. For beauty's virgin fortress was presented as by desire invested. The Earl Marshal, the Lord High Admiral, and ten other knights belonging to the Queen defended it and France's cavaliers led the attack. A herald marched before the gallant troop, and summoned in Imadrigal the fortress, and from the walls the Chancellor replied. And then the artillery was played, and nosegays breathing delicious fragrance were discharged from neat field-pieces. But in vain, the storm was valiantly resisted, and desire was forced, unwillingly, to raise the siege." A sign of evil brooding, good my lord, for the French suitors. Why, you know that this was but in sport, when the attacks in earnest the fortress will, no doubt, capitulate. Ha! Oh, think you, sir, I never can believe it. The hardest article of all is now adjusted and acceded to by France. The Duke of Anjou is content to hold his holy worship in a private chapel and openly he promises to honour and to protect the realm's established faith. Had ye but heard the people's joyful shouts where'er the tidings spread, for it has been the country's constant fear that Queen might die without immediate issue of her body, and England bear again the Romish chains if Mary Stuart should ascend the throne. This fear appears superfluous. She goes into the bridal chamber. Mary Stuart, Endes the gates of death. The queen approaches.
0: Enter Elizabeth led in by Leicester, Count lobespine Bellieve, Lords Shrewsbury and Burleigh with other French and English gentlemen.
2: Count, I am sorry for these noblemen whose gallant zeal hath brought them over sea to visit these our shores that they with us must miss the splendour of Saint-Germain's court. Such pompous festivals of godlike state I cannot furnish as the Royal Court of France. A sober and contented people, which crowd around me with a thousand blessings when e'er in public I present myself, this is the spectacle which I can show, and not without some pride to foreign eyes. The splendour of the noble dames who bloom in Catherine's beauteous garden would, I know, eclipse myself and my more modest merits.
3: The court of England has one lady only, to show the wandering foreigner. But all that charms our hearts in the accomplished sex is seen united in her single person.
4: Great Majesty of England, suffer us to take our leave, and to our royal master, the Duke of Anjou, bring the happy news. The hot impatience of his heart would not permit him to remain at Paris. He, at Amiens, awaits the joyful tidings. And thence to Calais reach his posts to bring with winged swiftness to his trancd ear the sweet consent which, still we humbly hope, your royal lips will graciously pronounce.
2: Press me no further now, Count Bellievre. It is not now a time, I must repeat, to kindle here the joyful marriage torch. The heavens lower black and heavy o'er this land, and weeds of mourning would become me better than the magnificence of bridal robes. A fatal blow is aimed against my heart, a blow which threatens to oppress my house.
4: We only ask your majesty to promise your royal hand when brighter days shall come.
2: Monarchs are but the slaves of their condition; they dare not hear the dictates of their hearts. My wish was ever to remain unmarried, and I had placed my greatest pride in this, that men hereafter on my tomb might read, "Here rests the virgin queen." but my good subjects are not content that this should be. They think, e'en now, that they often think upon the time when I shall be no more. T'is not enough that blessings now are showered upon this land. They ask a sacrifice for future welfare. And I must offer up my liberty, my virgin liberty, my greatest good, to satisfy my people. Thus they forced a lord and master on me, "'Tis by this I see that I am nothing but a woman in their regard, and yet methought that I had governed like a man, and like a king. Well, wot I that it is not serving God to quit the laws of nature, and that those who here have ruled before me merit praise, that they have oped the cloister gates, and given thousands of victims of ill-taught devotion back to the duties of humanity.' but yet a queen who hath not spent her days in fruitless idle contemplation who without murmur indefatigably performs the hardest of all duties she should be exempted from that natural law which doth ordain one half of humankind shall ever be subservient to the other
3: great queen you have upon your throne done honour to every virtue nothing now remains but to the sex whose greatest boast you are to be the leading star and give the great example of its most consistent duties. It is true the man exists not who deserves that you to him should sacrifice your freedom. Yet if a hero's soul, descent, and rank and manly beauty can make mortal man deserving of this honor.
2: "'Without doubt, my lord Ambassador, a marriage union with France's royal son would do me honour. Yes, I acknowledge it without disguise. If it must be, if I cannot prevent it, if I must yield unto my people's prayers—and much I fear they will or power me—I do not know in Europe any prince to whom with less reluctance I would yield my greatest treasure, my dear liberty. Let this confession satisfy your master.'
4: It gives the fairest hope, and yet it gives nothing but hope. My master wishes more.
2: What wishes he? She
0: takes a ring from her finger, and thoughtfully examines it.
5: In
2: this a queen has not one privilege above all other women. This common token marks one common duty, one common servitude. The ring denotes marriage, and tis of rings a chain is formed convey this present to his highness tis as yet no chain it binds me not as yet but out of it may grow a link to bind me
0: believe kneeling
4: this present in his name upon my knees i do receive great queen and press the kiss of homage on the hand of her who is henceforth my princess
0: elizabeth to the earl of leicester whom she during the last speeches had continually regarded
2: by your leave, my Lord,
0: she takes the blue ribbon from his neck and invests
2: Believe with it. invest his Highness with this ornament, as I invest you with it, and receive you into the duties of my gallant order and on soit qui thus perish all jealousy between our several realms, and let the bond of confidence reunite henceforth the crowns of britain and of france
4: most sovereign queen this is a day of joy oh that it could be so for all and no afflicted heart within this island mourn see mercy beams upon thy radiant brow let the reflection of its cheering light fall on a wretched princess who concerns britain and france alike
2: no further count let us not mix two inconsistent things if france be truly anxious for my hand it must partake my interests and renounce alliance with my foes
3: in thine own eyes would she not seem to act unworthily, if in this joyous treaty she forgot this hapless queen the widow of her king in whose behalf her honour and her fate are bound to plead for grace
2: thus urged i know to rate this intercession at its worth france has discharged her duties as a friend i will fulfil my own as england's queen
0: she bows to the french ambassadors who with the other gentlemen retire respectfully enter burleigh leicester and talbot the queen takes her seat
6: illustrious sovereign thou crown'st to-day the fervent wishes of thy people Now we can rejoice in the propitious days which thou bestow'st upon us, and we look no more with fear and trembling towards the time, which charged with storms, futurity presented. Now, but one only care disturbs this land. It is a sacrifice which every voice demands. Oh, grant but this, and England's peace will be established now and evermore.
2: What wish they still, my lord? speak
6: they demand the Stuart's head if to thy people thou wouldst now secure the precious boon of freedom and the fair light of truth so dearly won then she must die if we are not to live in endless terror for thy precious life the enemy must fall for well thou knowst that all thy britons are not true alike romish idolatry has still its friends in secret in this island who foment the hatred of our enemies. Their hearts all turn towards this Stuart. They are leagued with the two plotting brothers of Lorraine, the foes inveterate of thy house and name. Against thee, this raging faction hath declared a war of desolation, which they wage with the deceitful instruments of hell at Reims, the Cardinal Archbishop's see. There is the arsenal from which they dart, these lightnings, there the school of regicide, thence in a thousand shapes disguised are sent their secret missionaries to this isle, their bold and daring zealots, for from thence have we not seen the third assassin come, and inexhausted is the direful breed of secret enemies in this abyss, while in her castle sits at Fotheringay the ate of this everlasting war, who with the torch of love spreads flames around, for her who sheds delusive hope on all youth declares itself to certain death to set her free is the pretence the aim is to establish her upon the throne for this accursed house of guise denies thy sacred right and in their mouths thou art a robber of the throne whom chance has crowned by them this thoughtless woman was deluded proudly to style herself the queen of england no peace can be with her and with her house their hatred is too bloody and their crimes too great thou must resolve to strike or suffer her life is death to thee her death
2: thy life my lord you bear a melancholy office i know the purity which guides your zeal the solid wisdom which informs your speech and yet i hate this wisdom when it calls for blood i hate it in my inmost soul think of a milder counsel good my lord of shrewsbury we crave your judgment here
7: desire you but to know most gracious queen what is for your advantage i can add nothing to what my lord high treasurer has urged then for your welfare let the sentence be now confirmed this much is proved already there is no surer method to avert the danger from your head and from the state should you in this reject our true advice you can dismiss your counsel we are placed here as your counsellors but to consult the welfare of this land and with our knowledge and our experience we are bound to serve you but in what's good and just most gracious queen you have no need of counsellors your conscience knows it full well and it is written there nay it were overstepping our commission if we attempted to instruct you in it
2: yet speak my worthy lord of shrewsbury tis not our understanding fails alone our heart too feels it wants some sage advice
7: well did you praise the upright zeal which fires lord burleigh's loyal breast my bosom too although my tongue be not so eloquent beats with no weaker no less faithful pulse long may you live my queen to be the joy of your delighted people to prolong peace and its envied blessings in this realm ne'er hath this isle beheld such happy days since it was governed by its native kings oh let it never buy its happiness with its good name At least may Talbot's eyes be closed in death ere this shall come to pass.
2: Forbid it, heaven, that our good name be stained.
7: Then must you find some other way than this to save thy kingdom, for the sentence passed of death against the Stuart is unjust. You cannot upon her pronounce a sentence who is not subject to you.
2: Then it seems my council and my parliament have erred each bench of justice in the land is wrong which did with one accord admit this right
7: the proof of justice lies not in the voice of numbers england's not the world nor is thy parliament the focus which collects the vast opinion of the human race this present england is no more the future than tis the past as inclination changes thus ever ebbs and flows the unstable tide of public judgment say not then that thou must act as stern necessity compels that thou must yield to the importunate petitions of thy people every hour thou canst experience that thy will is free make trial and declare thou hatest blood and that thou wilt protect thy sister's life show those who wish to give the other counsels that here thy royal anger is not feigned and thou shalt see how stern necessity can vanish and what once was titled justice into injustice be converted thou thyself must pass the sentence thou alone trust not to this unsteady trembling reed but hear the gracious dictates of thy heart god hath not planted rigour in the frame of woman and the founders of this realm who to the female hand have not denied the reins of government intend by this to show that mercy not severity is the best virtue to adorn a crown
2: lord shrewsbury is a fervent advocate for mine and england's enemy i must prefer those counsellors who wish my welfare
7: her advocates have an invidious task none will by speaking in her favour dare to meet thy anger suffer then an old and faithful counsellor whom naught on earth can tempt on the grave's brink to exercise the pious duty of humanity it never shall be said that in thy counsel passion and interest could find a tongue while mercy's pleading voice alone was mute all circumstances have conspired against her thou ne'er hast seen her face and nothing speaks within thy breast for one that's stranger to thee i do not take the part of her misdeeds they say twas she who planned her husband's murder tis true that she espoused his murderer a grievous crime no doubt but then it happened in darksome days of trouble and dismay in the stern agony of civil war when she a woman helpless and hemmed in by a rude crowd of rebel vassals sought protection in a powerful chieftain's arms god knows what arts were used to overcome her for woman is a weak and fragile thing
2: woman's not weak There are heroic souls among the sex, and in my presence, sir, I do forbid to speak of woman's weakness.
7: Misfortune was for thee a rigid school. Thou wast not stationed on the sunny side of life. Thou sawest no throne from far before thee. The grave was gaping for thee at thy feet at woodstock and in london's gloomy tower twas there the gracious father of this land taught thee to know thy duty by misfortune no flatterer sought thee there there learned thy soul far from the noisy world and its distractions to commune with itself to think apart and estimate the real goods of life no god protected this poor sufferer transplanted in her early youth to france the court of levity and thoughtless joys there in the round of constant dissipation she never heard the earnest voice of truth she was deluded by the glare of vice and driven onward by the stream of ruin hers was the vain possession of a face And she outshone all others of her sex As far in beauty as in noble birth.
2: Collect yourself, my lord of Shrewsbury, Bethink you we are met in solemn council. Those charms must surely be without compare, Which can engender in an elder's blood such fire. My lord of Leicester, you alone are silent. Does the subject which has made him eloquent Deprive you of your speech?
5: amazement ties my tongue my queen to think that they should fill thy soul with such alarms and that the idle tales which in the streets of london terrify the people's ears should reach the enlightened circle of thy council and gravely occupy our statesmen's minds astonishment possesses me i own to think this lackland queen of scotland she who could not save her own poor throne the jest of her own vassals and her country's refuse who in her fairest days of freedom was but thy despised puppet should become at once thy terror when a prisoner what in heaven's name can make her formidable that she lays claim to england that the Guises will not acknowledge thee as queen? Did then thy people's loyal fealty await these geysers' approbation? Can these Guises, with their objections, ever shake the right which birth hath given thee, which with one consent the votes of Parliament have ratified? And is not she by Henry's will passed o'er in silence? is it probable that england as yet so blessed in the new light's enjoyment should throw itself into this papist's arms from thee the sovereign it adores desert to darnley's murderess what will they then these restless men who even in thy lifetime torment thee with a successor who cannot dispose of thee in marriage soon enough to rescue church and state from fancied peril stand'st thou not blooming there in youthful prime while each step leads her towards the expecting tomb by heavens i hope thou wilt full many a year walk o'er the Stuart's grave and ne'er become thyself the instrument of her sad end lord leicester hath not always held this tone Tis true i in the court of justice gave my verdict for her death here in the council i may consistently speak otherwise here right is not the question but advantage IS THIS A TIME TO FEAR HER POWER, WHEN FRANCE, HER ONLY SUCCOR, HAS ABANDONED HER, WHEN THOU PREPAREST WITH THY HAND TO BLESS THE ROYAL SON OF FRANCE, WHEN THE FAIR HOPE OF A NEW, GLORIOUS STEM OF SOVEREIGNS BEGINS AGAIN TO BLOSSOM IN THIS LAND? WHY HASTEN THEN HER DEATH? SHE'S DEAD ALREADY. CONTEMPT AND SCORN ARE DEATH TO HER. TAKE HEED, LEST ILL-TIMED PITY CALL HER INTO LIFE. Tis therefore my advice to leave the sentence by which her life is forfeit in full force. Let her live on, but let her live beneath the headsman's axe, and from the very hour one arm is lifted for her, let it fall.
0: Elizabeth Rises
2: My lords, I now have heard your several thoughts, and give my ardent thanks for this your zeal with God's assistance, who the hearts of kings illumines, I will weigh your arguments, and choose what best my judgment shall approve.
0: To Burleigh
2: Lord Burley's honest fears, I know it well, are but the offspring of his faithful care. But yet Lord Leicester hath most truly said, There is no need of haste, our enemy hath lost already her most dangerous sting, the mighty arm of France. The fear that she might quickly be the victim of their zeal will curb the blind impatience of her friends.
0: Enter Sir Amias Paulet and Mortimer.
2: There's Sir Amias Paulet. Noble Sir, what tidings bring you? Gracious
8: Sovereign, my nephew, who but lately is returned from foreign travel, kneels before thy feet and offers thee his first and earliest homage. Grant him thy royal grace and let him grow and flourish in the sunshine of thy favour.
0: Mortimer kneeling on one knee. Long live my royal mistress.
2: Happiness and glory form a crown to grace her brows. Arise, sir knight, and welcome here in England. You've made, I hear, the tour, have been in France and Rome, and tarried too some time at Rheims. Tell me what plots our enemies are hatching.
9: May God confound them all, and may the darts which they shall aim against my sovereign, recoiling, strike their own perfidious breasts. Did you see Morgan, and the wily Bishop of Ross? I saw, my Queen, all Scottish exiles, who forge at Reims their plots against this realm. I stole into their confidence in hopes to learn some hint of their conspiracies
8: private dispatches they entrusted to him in ciphers for the queen of scots which he with loyal hand hath given up to us
2: say what are then their latest plans of treason it struck them all as twere
9: a thunderbolt that france should leave them and with england close this firm alliance now they turn their hopes towards spain this walsingham hath written us besides a bull which from the Vatican Pope Sixtus lately leveled at thy throne arrived at Reims as I was leaving it. With the next ship we may expect it here.
5: England no more is frightened by such arms. They're always
6: dangerous in bigots' hands.
2: Elizabeth, looking steadfastly at Mortimer. Your enemies have said that you frequented the schools at Reims, and have abjured your faith. So I pretended that I must confess. Such was
9: my
0: anxious wish to serve my queen. Elizabeth to paulette who presents paper to her
2: what have you there
8: tis from the queen of scots tis a petition and to thee addressed
0: burleigh hastily catching at it
8: give me the paper
0: paulette giving it to the queen
8: by your leave my lord high treasurer the lady ordered me to bring it to her majesty's own hands she says i am her enemy i am the enemy of her offences only and that which is consistent with my duty i will and readily oblige her
6: in
0: the queen takes the letter as she reads it mortimer and leicester speak some words in private
6: what may the purport of the letter be idle complaints from which one ought to screen the queen's too tender heart what it
8: contains she did not hide from me she asks a boon she begs to be admitted to the grace of speaking with the queen it cannot be why not her supplication's not unjust
6: for her the base encourager of murder her who hath thirsted for our sovereign's blood the privilege to see the royal presence is forfeited a faithful counsellor can never give this treacherous advice and if the Queen is
7: gracious, sir, are you the man to hinder pity's soft emotions?
6: She is condemned to death. Her head is laid beneath the axe. And it would ill become the Queen to see a death devoted head. The sentence cannot have its execution if the Queen's Majesty approaches her. For pardon still attends the royal presence, as sickness flies the health dispensing hand.
0: Elizabeth, having read the letters, dries her tears
2: oh what is man what is the bliss of earth to what extremities is she reduced who with such proud and splendid hopes began who called to sit on the most ancient throne of christendom misled by vain ambition hoped with a triple crown to deck her brows how is her language altered since the time when she assumed the arms of england's crown and by the flatterers of her court was styled sole monarch of the two britannic isles. Forgive me, lords, my heart is cleft in twain. Anguish possesses me, and my soul bleeds to think that earthly goods are so unstable, and that the dreadful fate which rules mankind should threaten mine own house, and scowl so near me.
7: O Queen, the God of mercy hath informed your heart. O, hearken to this heavenly guidance most grievously indeed hath she atoned her grievous crime and it is time that now at last her heavy penance have an end stretch forth your hand to raise this abject queen and like the luminous vision of an angel descend into
6: her jail's sepulchral night be steadfast mighty queen Let no emotion of seeming laudable humanity mislead thee. Take not from thyself the power of acting as necessity commands. Thou canst not pardon her, thou canst not save her. Then heap not on thyself the odious blame, that thou with cruel and contemptuous triumph didst glut thyself
5: with gazing on thy victim. Let us, my lords, remain within our bounds. The Queen is wise, and doth not need our counsels To lead her to the most becoming choice. This meeting of the Queen's hath not in common With the proceedings of the Court of Justice. The law of England, not the monarch's will, Condemns the Queen of Scotland, And were worthy of the great soul of Queen Elizabeth To follow the soft dictates of her heart, Though justice swerves not from its rigid path.
2: Retire, my lords. We shall, perhaps, find means to reconcile the tender claims of pity with what necessity imposes on us, and now retire.
0: The Lords retire, and she calls Sir Edward Mortimer back. Sir Edward Mortimer.
2: You've shown a spirit of adventurous courage and self-possession far beyond your years. He who has timely learnt to play so well the difficult dissembler's needful task becomes a perfect man before his time, and shortens his probationary years. Fate calls you to a lofty scene of action. I prophesy it, and can, happily for you, fulfil myself my own prediction. Illustrious mistress, what I am, and all I can accomplish, is devoted to you. You've made acquaintance with the foes of England— their hate against me is implacable, their fell designs are inexhaustible. As yet, indeed, Almighty Providence hath shielded me. But on my brows the crown forever trembles, while she lives who fans their bigot zeal, and animates their hopes. She lives no more, as soon as you command it. O oh, sir, I thought I saw my labour's end, and I am come no farther than at first, I wish to let the laws of England act, and keep my own hands pure from blood's defilement. The sentence is pronounced. What gain I by it? It must be executed, Mortimer, and I must authorise the execution. The blame will ever light on me. I must avow it, nor can save appearances. That is the worst. But can appearances disturb your conscience when the cause is just? You are unpractised in the world, Sir Knight. What we appear is subject to the judgment of all mankind, and what we are of no man. No one will be convinced that I am right. I must take care that my connivance in her death be wrapped in everlasting doubt. In deeds of such uncertain double visage safety lies only in obscurity. Those measures are the worst that stand avowed, What's not abandoned is not wholly lost. Then it perhaps were best— Ay, surely twere the best. O, oh, sir, my better angel speaks through you. Go on, then, worthy sir, conclude you are in earnest. You examine deep, have quite a different spirit from your uncle.
9: Have you imparted, then, your wishes to him?
2: I am sorry
9: that I have. Excuse his age, the old man is grown scrupulous. Such bold adventures ask the enterprising heart of youth
2: and may i venture then on you my hand i'll lend thee save then as thou canst thy reputation yes sir if you could but waken me some morning with this news maria Stuart, your bloodthirsty foe breathed yesternight her last depend on me when shall my head lie calmly down to sleep
9: the next new moon will terminate thy fears
2: and be the self same happy day The dawn of your preferment. So God speed you, sir, And be not hurt If chance my thankfulness Should wear the mask of darkness. Silence is the happy suitor's God. The closest bonds, the dearest, Are the works of secrecy. Exit. Go, false, deceitful queen,
9: As thou deludest the world, E'en so I cousin thee. "'Tis right thus to betray thee, "'Tis a worthy deed. "'Look I then like a murderer. "'Hast thou read upon my brow such base dexterity? "'Trust only to mine arm, and keep thine own concealed. "'Assume the pious outward show of mercy for the world, "'while reckoning in secret on my murderous aid and thus by gaining time we shall ensure her rescue thou wilt exalt me show'st me from afar the costly recompense but even were thyself the prize and all thy woman's favour what are thou poor one and what canst thou offer i scorn ambition's avaricious strife with her alone is all the charm of life O'er her, in rounds of endless glory, hover spirits with grace and youth eternal blest, celestial joys throned upon her breast. Thou hast but earthly, mortal goods to offer, that sovereign good for which all else be slighted, when heart in heart, delighting and delighted together flow in sweet forgetfulness. Ne'er didst thou woman's fairest crown possess? Ne'er hast thou with thy hand a lover's heart requited? I must attend Lord Leicester and deliver her letter to him. 'Tis a hateful charge. I have no confidence in this court puppet. I can effect her rescue. I alone be danger, honour, and the prize my own as he is going paulette meets him
8: what said the queen to you
9: twas nothing sir nothing of consequence
8: here mortimer it is a false and slippery ground on which you tread the grace of princes is alluring youth loves ambition let not yours betray you
9: was it not yourself who brought me to the court
8: oh would to god i had not done as much the honour of our house was never reaped in courts stand fast my nephew purchase not too dear nor stain your conscience with a crime
9: what are these fears what are you dreaming of
8: how high soever the queen may pledge herself to raise you trust not her alluring words the spirit of the world's a lying spirit and vice is a deceitful treacherous friend she will deny you if you listen to her and to preserve her own good name will punish the bloody deed which she herself enjoined
9: the bloody deed
8: away dissimulation i know the deed the queen proposed to you she hopes that your ambitious youth will prove more docile than my rigid age but say have you then pledged your promise have you uncle if you have done so i abandon you and lay my curse
5: upon you
0: Lester entering
5: worthy sir i with your nephew wish a word the Queen is graciously inclined to him. She wills that to his custody the Scottish Queen be with full powers entrusted. She relies on his fidelity. Relies? Tis well. What say you,
8: sir? Her Majesty relies on him, and I, my noble lord, rely upon myself, and my two open eyes. Exit. What hailed the knight?
9: My lord, I... Cannot tell what angers him, the confidence perhaps the queen so suddenly confers on me,
5: are you deserving then of confidence?
9: This would I ask of you, my Lord of Leicester?
5: You said you wished to speak with me in private.
9: Assure me first that I may safely venture,
5: who gives me an assurance on your side let not my want of confidence offend you i see you sir exhibit at this court two different aspects one of them must be a borrowed one but which of them is real
9: the self-same doubts i have concerning you
5: which then shall pave the way to confidence
9: he who by doing it is least in danger
5: well that are you
9: no you the evidence of such a weighty powerful pair as you can overwhelm my voice my accusation is weak against your rank and influence
5: sir you mistake in everything but this i am powerful here but in this tender point which i am called upon to trust you with i am the weakest man of all the court the poorest testimony can undo me
9: the all-powerful earl of leicester deign to stoop so low to me and to make such a confession to me I may venture to think a little better of myself, and lead the way in magnanimity.
5: Lead you the way of confidence. I'll follow.
0: Mortimer producing suddenly the letter. Here is a letter from the Queen of Scotland. Lester, alarmed, catches hastily at the letter.
5: Speak softly, sir. What, see I? Oh, it is her picture!
0: Kisses and examines it with speechless joy. A pause
9: now my lord i can believe you
5: you know the purport of this letter sir not i indeed she surely hath informed you
9: nothing hath she informed me of she said you would explain this riddle to me tis to me a riddle that the earl of leicester the far-famed favourite of elizabeth the open bitter enemy of mary and one of those who spoke her mortal sentence should be the man from whom the queen expects deliverance from her woes and yet it must be your eyes express too plainly what your heart feels for the hapless lady
5: tell me sir first how it comes that you should take so warm an interest in her fate and what it was gained you her confidence
9: my lord i can and in a few words explain this mystery i have lately at rome abjured my creed and stand in correspondence with the guises a letter from the cardinal archbishop was my credential with the queen of scots
5: I am acquainted, sir, with your conversion. "'Twas that which waked my confidence towards you. Each remnant of distrust be henceforth banished. Your hand, sir, pardon me these idle doubts. I cannot use too much precaution here, knowing how Walsingham and Burleigh hate me, and watching me in secret spread their snares. You might have been their instrument, their creature to lure me to their toils.' how
9: poor a part so great a nobleman is forced to play at court my lord i pity you
5: with joy i rest upon the faithful breast of friendship where i can ease me of this long constraint you seem surprised sir that my heart has turned so suddenly towards the captive queen in truth i never hated her the times have forced me to be her enemy she was as you well know my destined bride long since ere she bestowed her hand on darnley while yet the beams of glory round her smiled coldly i then refused the proffered boon now in confinement at the gates of death i claim her at the hazard of my life
9: true magnanimity my lord
5: the state of circumstances since that time has changed ambition made me all insensible to youth and beauty mary's hand i held too insignificant for me i hoped to be the husband of the queen of england
9: it is well known she gave you preference before all others
5: so indeed it seemed now, after ten lost years of tedious courtship and hateful self-constraint, oh, sir, my heart must ease itself of this long agony. They call me happy. Did they only know what the chains are for which they envy me? When I had sacrificed ten Bitter years to the proud idol of her vanity, Submitted with a slave's humility To every change of her despotic fancies, The plaything of each little wayward whim, At times by seeming tenderness caressed, As oft repulsed with proud and cold disdain, Alike tormented by her grace and rigour, Watched like a prisoner by the argus eyes of jealousy, Examined like a schoolboy, and railed at like a servant. Oh, no tongue can paint this hell.
9: My lord, I feel for you.
5: To lose, and at the very goal, the prize, Another comes to rob me of the fruits of my so anxious wooing i must lose to her young blooming husband all those rights of which i was so long in full possession and i must from the stage descend where i so long have played the most distinguished part tis not her hand alone this envious stranger threatens he'd rob me of her favour too she is a woman and he formed to please
9: he is the son of catherine he has learnt in a good school the arts of flattery
5: thus fall my hopes i strove to seize a plank to bear me in this shipwreck of my fortunes and my eye turned itself towards the hope of former days once more then mary's image within me was renewed and youth and beauty once more asserted all their former rights no more twas cold ambition twas my heart which now compared and with regret i felt the value of the jewel i had lost with horror i beheld her in the depths of misery cast down by my transgression then waked the hope in me that i might still deliver and possess her i contrived to send her through a faithful hand the news of my conversion to her interests and in this letter which you brought me she assures me that she pardons me and offers herself as guerdon if i rescue her
9: but you attempted nothing for her rescue you let her be condemned without a word you gave yourself your verdict for her death a miracle must happen and the light of truth must move me me her keeper's nephew and heaven must in the vatican at rome prepare for her an unexpected succour else had she never found the way to you
5: oh sir it has tormented me enough About this time it was that they removed her from Talbot's castle, and delivered her up to your uncle's stricter custody. Each way to her was shut. I was obliged before the world to persecute her still. But do not think that I would patiently have seen her led to death. No, sir. I hoped, and still I hope, to ward off all extremes till I can find some certain means to save her.
9: These are already found. My lord of Leicester, your generous confidence in me deserves a like return i will deliver her that is my object here my dispositions are made already and your powerful aid assures us of success in our attempt
5: what say you you alarm me how you would-i'll
9: open forcibly her prison gates i have confederates and all is ready
5: you have confederates accomplices Alas, in what rash enterprise would you engage me? And these friends, know they my secret?
9: Fear not. Our plan was laid without your help. Without your help it would have been accomplished, had she not signified her resolution to owe her liberty to you alone.
5: And can you then with certainty assure me that in your plot my name has not been mentioned?
9: You may depend upon it. How, my lord, so scrupulous when help is offered you? You wish to rescue Mary and possess her. You find confederates sudden, unexpected, the readiest means fall as it were from heaven. Yet you show more perplexity than joy.
5: We must avoid all violence, it is too dangerous an enterprise.
9: Delay is also dangerous.
5: I tell you, sir, tis not to be attempted.
9: My lord, too hazardous for you who would possess her. But we who only wish to rescue her we are more bold
5: young man you are too hasty in such a thorny dangerous attempt
9: and you too scrupulous in honour's cause
5: i see the trammels that are spread around us
9: and i feel courage to break through them all
5: foolhardiness and madness is this courage
9: this prudence is not bravery my lord
5: you surely wish to end like babington
9: you not to imitate great norfolk's virtue
5: Norfolk ne'er won the bride he wooed so fondly.
9: But yet he proved how truly he deserved her.
5: If we are ruined, she must fall with us.
9: If we risk nothing, she will now be rescued.
5: You will not weigh the matter, will not hear. With blind and hasty rashness, you destroy the plans which I so happily had framed.
9: And what then the plans which you had framed? hmm? What have you done then? to deliver her and how if i were miscreant enough to murder her as was proposed to me this moment by elizabeth and which she looks upon as a certainty only name the measures you have taken to protect her
5: did the queen give you then this bloody order
9: she was deceived in me as mary is in you
5: and have you promised it say have you
9: that she might not engage another's hand i offered mine
5: Well done, sir. That was right. This gives us leisure, for she rests secure upon your bloody service, and the sentence is unfulfilled the while, and we gain time. No, we are losing time. The Queen depends on you, and will the readier make a show of mercy, and I may prevail on her to give an audience to her adversary, and by this stratagem we tie her hands. Yes, I will make the attempt. Strain every nerve
9: and what is gained by this when she discovers that i am cheating her that mary lives are we not where we were she never will be free the mildest doom which can await her at best is but perpetual confinement a daring deed must one day end the matter why will you not with such a deed begin the power is in your hands would you but rouse the might of your dependents round about your many castles T'were an host and still had mary many secret friends the howards and percy's noble houses though their chiefs be fallen are rich in heroes they but wait for the example of some potent lord away with feigning act and open part and like a loyal knight protect your fair you know you are lord of the person of the queen of england whene'er you will invite her to your castle oft hath she thither followed you then show that you're a man then speak as master keep her confined till she release the queen of scots
5: i am astonished i am terrified where would your giddy madness hurry you are you acquainted with this country know you the deeps and shallows of this court with what a potent spell this female scepter binds and rules men's spirits round her tis in vain you seek the heroic energy which once was active in this land it is subdued a woman holds it under lock and key and every spring of courage is relaxed follow my counsel venture nothing rashly someone approaches go
9: and Mary hopes shall i return to her with empty comfort
5: Bear her my vows of everlasting love.
9: Bear them yourself. I offered my assistance as her deliverer, not your messenger.
2: Exit. Say, who was here? I heard the sound of voices.
5: It it was young Mortimer.
2: How now, my lord? Why so confused?
5: Your presence is the cause. Ne'er did I see thy beauty, so resplendent. My sight is dazzled by thy heavenly charms. Oh!
2: Whence this sigh?
5: Have I no reason, then, to sigh? When I behold you in your glory, I feel anew with pain unspeakable The loss which threatens me.
2: What loss, my lord?
5: Your heart, your own inestimable self, soon will you feel yourself within the arms of your young ardent husband highly blessed he will possess your heart without a rival he is of royal blood that am not i yet spite of all the world can say there lives not one on this globe who with such fervent zeal adores you as the man who loses you Anjou hath never seen you, can but love your glory and the splendour of your reign, but I love you, and were you born of all the peasant maids the poorest, I the first of kings, I would descend to your condition and lay my crown and sceptre at your feet.
2: Oh, pity me, my Dudley, do not blame me, I cannot ask my heart. Oh, that had chosen far otherwise. Ah, how I envy others who can exalt the object of their love! But I am not so blest. Tis not my fortune to place upon the brows of him, the dearest of men to me, the royal crown of England. The Queen of Scotland was allowed to make her hand the token of her inclination. She hath had every freedom, and hath drunk even to the very dregs the cup of joy.
5: And now she drinks the bitter cup of sorrow.
2: She never did respect the world's opinion. Life was to her a sport. She never courted the yoke to which I bowed my willing neck. And yet, methinks, I had as just a claim as she to please myself, and taste the joys of life. But I preferred the rigid duties which royalty imposed on me. Yet she, she was the favourite of all the men, because she only strove to be a woman and youth and age became alike her suitors. Thus are the men voluptuaries all. The willing slaves of levity and pleasure, value that least which claims their reverence. And did not even Talbot, though grey-headed, grow young again when speaking of her charms?
5: Forgive him, for he was her keeper once, and she has fooled him with her cunning wiles.
2: And is it really true that she's so fair? so often have I been obliged to hear the praises of this wonder, it were well if I could learn on what I might depend. Pictures are flattering, and description lies. I will trust nothing but my own conviction. Why gaze you at me thus?
5: I placed in thought you and Maria Stuart side by side. Yes, i confess i oft have felt a wish if it could be but secretly contrived to see you placed beside the scottish queen then would you feel and not till then the full enjoyment of your triumph she deserves to be thus humbled she deserves to see with her own eyes and envy's glance is keen herself surpassed to feel herself o'ermatch'd as much by thee in form and princely grace as in each virtue that adorns the sex
2: in years she has the advantage
5: has she so i never should have thought it but her griefs her sufferings indeed tis possible have brought down age upon her ere her time Yes, and would mortify her more to see thee as bride. She hath already turned her back on each fair hope of life, and she would see thee advancing towards the open arms of joy. See thee as bride of France's royal son, she who hath always plumed herself so high on her connection with the house of France, and still depends upon its mighty aid.
2: I'm teased to grant this interview.
5: She asks it as a favour, grant it as a punishment for though you should conduct her to the block yet would it less torment her than to see herself extinguished by your beauty's splendour Thus can you murder her, as she hath wished to murder you, when she beholds your beauty, guarded by modesty and beaming bright, in the clear glory of unspotted fame, which she with thoughtless levity discarded, exalted by the splendour of the crown, and blooming now with tender bridal graces, then is the hour of her destruction come. Yes! When now I behold you, you were never, no, never were you so prepared to seal the triumph of your beauty. As but now you entered the apartment, I was dazzled as by a glorious vision from on high. Could you but now, now as you are, appear before her, you could find no better moment.
2: Now? No, not now. No, Lester, this must be maturely weighed, I must with Burley.
5: Burley. to him you are but sovereign and as such alone he seeks your welfare but your rights derived from womanhood this tender point must be decided by your own tribunal not by the statesman yet in policy demands that you should see her and allure by such a generous deed the public voice you can hereafter act as it may please you to rid you of the hateful enemy
2: but would it then become me to behold my kinswoman in infamy and want? They say she is not royally attended. Would not the sight of her distress reproach me?
5: You need not cross her threshold. Hear my counsel. A fortunate conjuncture favours it. The hunt you mean to honour with your presence is in the neighbourhood of Fotheringay. Permission may be given to Lady Stuart to take the air. You meet her in the park as if by accident. It must not seem to have been planned, and should you not incline, you need not speak to her.
2: If I am foolish, be yours the fault, not mine. I would not care to-day to cross your wishes, for to-day I have grieved you more than all my other subjects. Let it then be your fancy. Lester, hence you see the free obsequiousness of love, which suffers that which it cannot approve.
0: Lester prostrates himself before her and the curtain falls end of act 2